Hey, y'all. This week on the When the Cleats Come Off podcast, I'm sitting down with registered dietitian, Purdue grad, boiler up, fitness professional, host of the Fit Friends Happy Hour podcast, and my cousin, Katie Hake. Katie and I talk about so many things today about hydration, why it's important for your athletes to really tune into that, what are some snacks they can be eating during games to increase their energy, why fruits and veggies are essential for peak performance, and stay tuned, by the way, for a freebie that she's giving all of my listeners to help learn more about nutrition and health. I'm so excited for you guys to dive into this podcast. It was one of my absolute faves, not just because I did it with my cousin, but because this is a conversation that I don't think many are thinking about, especially at the younger age, and it's going to truly make you think of nutrition and health and sleep as something that's essential for your athlete to be peak performers. So if they want to be that and you want to help be better on this realm of the spectrum, this is going to be your episode. And if this is something that you know some of your friends need to hear too, share this with them because maybe you can even come up with special snacks you can bring to games together. Who knows how you're going to be able to take this episode and run with it, but I know it's one of my favorites and it will be one of yours too. This is my interview with my cousin, Katie Hake. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well, but now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players Some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive and that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the When the Cleats Come Off podcast. I have a very special guest with you this week. This is the very first family member, officially, that I've had on the podcast. This is my cousin, Katie Ake. Welcome to the conversation, girlfriend. I am so excited to be here. This is, this is the... This is fun. You are my first... uh, Actually, no, I take that back. I have interviewed my sister on the podcast once, way back when. (laughs) I actually listened to that episode. I love that. By the way, I can't say hey, because you just got married, but... 
I mean, we just talked about this beforehand. But the thing is, nobody can say Bogan shoots, so we'll just stick with Hake for now. <laughs> yeah, Katie Hake, we'll go with that. So, Katie, you're a non diet dietitian. I don't know if everybody knows what that means. Can you explain to us what that means and why you took on that title? Yeah. So every, you know, every, I always say every nutritionist, every dietitian is a nutritionist, right? But not every nutritionist is a dietitian. So we go through different training and there's really this stereotype that if you see a dietitian, they're just going to give you, I mean, the word diet is literally in our title, right? And so there's this connotation with the word diet that it means something structured, something rigid, right? I'm going to give you a meal plan and say, eat this, not that, this is good, this is bad, good luck, goodbye. And so I added non-diet to, to, I guess, my title, you could say, because what I really try to do is to remove those rules, remove that rigidity to help people become their, the best expert at their own body, if that makes sense. Mm. And this is exactly why I wanted you on the podcast, because the athletes are that listen to this podcast or the athletes of the parents that listen to this podcast, they're looking to be high performers in the game of softball. And so what better person to talk about, you know, being a high performer, focusing on your fuel, focusing on your sleep and just taking care of your body overall than, than you. So just so the audience knows, you're a health and fitness professional and you own your own business, Katie Hake. Katie Hake Health and Fitness is, is what your brand is called. Can you give me a, just like a quick little dive in, like one minute clip of, you know, where your journey in dietetics started and what led you to where you are now? Oh my gosh, I'll try to keep it to a minute, but- I was gonna say, <laughs> if it's a minute, it's a minute, but if it's longer, keep yeah, going. Yeah, <laughs> so I did my undergrad at Purdue University as well. Got my undergrad at, undergraduate, I did a dual major, both in dietetics and nutrition, fitness, and health. So through that time, you know, I, unlike you, you got the good genes as far as athleticism in the family. <laughs> so I consider, you know, group fitness was really my sport. So while I was in school, I was personal training, teaching group fitness, really getting into the uh, fitness side of movement, right? And at the same time, working in the gym, working with people, you know, active individuals, I was always getting so many questions about nutrition. And so fast forward, I completed an internship to then sit for my exam to become a dietitian, you know, started my own business kind of on the side. I've worked in a variety of settings in the clinical hospital. You know, I've worked, I currently work part-time at a local children's hospital, helping with kids who have rare genetic disorders, right? So they're born with a certain, you know, genetic defect, I guess you could say, that changes how they metabolize certain nutrients. So what's what pushed me to start my own business is because I saw this gap, right? Like you said, we're here talking to athletes, but everything seemed to be so separated for me. And what I found with working with clients was we need to look at the bigger picture, right? If we want to set these goals, whether it's performance, whether it's, you know, physique goals, whether it's mindset, I mean, health, we have to look at the bigger picture, right? And that's really mind, body, spirit. Nutrition is a piece of the puzzle. And that's why I, so I've talked to my sister, Christina, who's currently an athlete at UNC, and she was saying how she's obsessed with your non-diet dietitian title because at school they have dietitians and fuel stations and, and things that they can eat. But she's like, a lot of times the people that she's used to listening to, 
they, they're telling you like, you're supposed to be eating, you know, a certain amount or a certain type of food before everything. And, and when you're not doing that, your performance is going to suffer. And it's like, but in reality, it's about how you feel. So can, can you explain to us, you know, these, you know, a lot of people are told, you know, when you're performing, you should eat, you know, a bunch of carbs before a bunch of protein before, but if we can just kind of put it into one little bundle, when it comes to, you know, softball players that want to perform at the highest level, should they be eating more carbs? Should they be eating more protein? What would you advise? And I know this is a very broad question, but what would you advise most softball athletes just to make sure they're holistically getting so that they can be peak performers? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I want to start by acknowledging, right, whether it's parents who are listening or athletes, you know, looking at the bigger picture, right? Rather than getting hung up and focused on every single meal and trying to micromanage everything that goes into your mouth, can you look at the bigger picture? You know, am I getting a wide variety of foods? I think definitely for athletes, but for all of us, you know, not cutting out certain food groups, right? Because when we cut out certain food groups, we miss out on a lot of different nutrients, you know, but definitely for athletes, carbohydrates, for athletes, but also humans, you know, that is our body's preferred source of energy. And so if we're talking about, you know, showing up to a game, showing up to practice where we need that quick source of energy, carbohydrates are going to be preferred. And this is something that grinds my gears <laughs> as a dietitian mm -hmm. because yeah. there's so much in the media. You know, I've even worked with athletes whose coaches are telling them to go on these low carb diets and you know, paleo and all this sort of restriction. And what that does is that creates confusion and it ultimately causes distrust in our bodies, right? And so like what Christina was saying, you feel guilty or you feel there's like this mindset shift. And I know you talk a lot about mindset too. If I'm not following this, right? Or if I'm not checking this box. And so I would encourage people to filter things, right? Think of it more as a guideline versus hard and fast rules, because ultimately what's going to work best is so individual for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you have those people who are saying low carb diet, low carb diet, like I just, I initially, I was in dietetics for a second at Purdue. And so I, I learned a little bit of the science behind it, but why is it that we do need, and you talked about it's the energy system, but you know, as an athlete who needs to sustain, let's say for like four games a day, let's say you don't have carbs that morning, mm -hmm. how would you think their performance is going to be that day? Yeah. I mean, think back to maybe somebody just thinks to a time you, you need two things, right? You need energy in the form of calories, right? That can look a lot of different ways, but carbohydrates are going to be, so our bodies are actually really smart. What they'll do is they'll actually store carbohydrates in our liver and in our muscles in the form of glycogen, right? And so our bodies can hold it there for a significant amount of time so that while we're playing, right, we may not have access to eat. I mean, sometimes you do, but that can cause some GI distress. Maybe that's why you see athletes drink Gatorade, right? And maybe you've seen things float on the internet like Gatorade's bad. It has so much sugar. It's like, but sugar, carbohydrates are sugar. Sugar can be, sugar is glucose, which is stored as glycogen. And so that's why you see athletes drink. It was formulated for athletes to keep them hydrated, but also give that quick source of energy. So if we're thinking about quick energy that's available, that's going to keep us on our game, right? And when we don't have enough of that energy and we don't have enough, you know, protein and carbo carbohydrates, our body will start to 
eat it or muscle, right? Or try to get it from other places that our bodies just aren't as efficient as utilizing that for energy. Yeah. And so what are some, like a couple things that when it comes to carbohydrates are good for athletes to eat, like oatmeal, things like that? Yeah. Oatmeal. I, I usually encourage athletes to do a combo, right? So not just if we're talking about pregame fuel, you know, combination of carbohydrates, but also protein. So mm-hmm. oatmeal may be mixed with milk or oatmeal with some peanut butter in it. You know, carbohydrates can also be fruit. So uh, I love like peanut butter. What is, why am I drawing a blank? Peanut butter, banana, English muffin. Mm, yum. Yum. Right? But that looks individual for everybody, right? Because you Mm -hmm. may find that peanut butter may have too much fat in it that makes you, that just doesn't sit well in your stomach and you'd prefer, you know, maybe nuts instead. So if someone's listening and trying to figure out like, what is the best thing to eat for me? Keep a food journal, write it down, you know, not just writing down what you're eating so you can look at the composition, but also how is it making me feel? How did I, was I able to get through that workout a little bit longer than, you know, did I I tank earlier than I did last week? And then you can start to connect the dots with which, with what really makes you feel your best. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because there are days where, you know, I love journaling and there are some times where athletes are like, I had such a good day last Saturday. Like I had the weekend of my life. I just, every single strike I got, I crushed it. And I'm like, so you were like there, you were mentally, physically there. And a lot of times athletes don't think about the fact that probably what they fueled themselves with is what helped them get there. And so I encourage athletes, like whenever you have like a really good day, right from like the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, not just your performance, but what did you fuel yourself with before, during, and afterwards? Because I mean, I'm a creature of habit. And when one thing works, I want to continue to do that. And I found, you know, in college when I played my best, I started every single morning with oatmeal. And I, and I could, and I did that because most hotel breakfasts were not good. Like they were not good. And I couldn't really, I didn't want a greasy, you know, bacon. bacon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't want that because it made me feel slower when I would eat those types of foods. So I always stuck with oatmeal and I put peanut butter in it. I put bananas on top or blueberries or whatever they had, which is funny that you mentioned the bananas. But yeah, like they're just simple ways to like change it up, but also know exactly what's going in your body. And I felt like oatmeal in that way, when you deck it out correctly, mm-hmm. is really good. People call me crazy. Young athletes are like, really? Like oatmeal's disgusting. You bring up such a great point though of experimenting with, with your body like pregame, right? Don't wait until the, you know, game day to try something different, right? Because we we often don't make that connection of you know, you you want to be on your A game. You don't want to be worried about your stomach not digesting something right or something just not sitting well with you, right? So the more that you can pinpoint this from a week to week standpoint or maybe even off season, and compare it to your workouts or, you know, whatever your activity is during that time, then see if you can connect the dots, see what works. Maybe it's a variety of things. Troubleshoot. I love that you mentioned of like, well, hotels don't always have the best option. So mm-hmm. really be futuristic thinking as well of like, okay, how might this make me feel? Whether it's the volume of food, whether it's the types of foods, the speed that you eat sometimes can, can make a difference. Absolutely. So let's talk veggies. 
I lit- I have a few athletes that I work with and they're probably listening right now. Like she's talking about me. <laughs> if you think um, we're talking about you, we're talking about you. We're talking about you. Uh, and, and they just don't, they don't like veggies. They don't even want to touch it. They don't quite probably understand what the vegetables are doing for their body. So those athletes that hate veggies and are like, nope, never going to happen. What would you advise to those athletes? So here's the thing, right? We've got macronutrients, which is carbs, protein, fat. Most people have heard of those, right? Every single food that you eat is made up of those macronutrients. So what what is made up in between is what we call micronutrients, right? So all those vitamins and minerals. And sure, you can take a supplement. You can take a multivitamin. You can take extra vitamin C. But there are so many amazing compounds in food and fruits and vegetables that we cannot replicate in a pill. We cannot, food science has not been able to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you there's just so much that we haven't even discovered yet that we never will. So if we're thinking from a performance standpoint, right, and I I really just want to put good stuff in my body to help me optimize how I feel physically, you can get so much of that through fruits and veggies right? Mm -hmm. So yes, calories and energy are one piece of it, but also the quality of food can make a difference. Yeah, that's so good. So I asked one of these athletes that I'm speaking about, you know, what do you think of carrots? And she goes, "Mm -mm. I used to like them. I don't like them anymore. But I always try to think, okay, what could you substitute a carrot with? Like carrots are carrots are good for your eyes. Like all these, again, performance things that you can get, or I don't want to say performance things, but things that can make you perform better. I, I know physically because I've studied it, what these fruits and veggies can do for us. But can you break down maybe some of the core vegetables or fruits that you know, like when you eat this, this is better for this and, and vice versa? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Where do we begin? I think <laughs> we'll start with fruits because fruits are an easy one, but yeah, fruits are, if you think of it from a convenience standpoint, they come in their own wrapper. <laughs> They're typically high in fiber, which can help with our bowel movements, which can help sustain us, you know, through a practice, mm. you know, veggies. I would challenge somebody if they're like, they don't like carrots. Okay. How many times have you tried carrots? What ways have you tried carrots? You know, can you try them cooked? Can you try them dipped in ranch? Can you try them dipped in? I actually know quite a few um, people who dip their carrots in peanut butter. I've done that. (laughs) I don't love it, but I've done it. Right. But but (laughs) thinking outside the box Mm -hmm. and rather than breaking down like specific vegetables and what they do for us, looking at your plate, asking how can you make it more colorful? You know, I teach this to my clients, not just athletes, my clients as well. Can you get at mealtime, right? If we're talking at mealtime, can you get a protein, a carb, and a color? (laughs) (laughs) Because so often we get the two, but we, we lack color. And so the more color that you can have on a plate, the more variety of those different nutrients and minerals that you can have that are going to help with recovery, that are going to help with you know, your brain health that are going to help with your immunity. I mean, there's the list goes on and on and on about the benefits. And it's one thing that we can control, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to an extent, there's lots of nuances to that. But if you can control this piece of your game to give you kind of that edge, why wouldn't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's a bunch of parents here that are like, okay, that is so easy to digest. I know I totally just like did a pun, <laughs> but, but ideally protein, carb, and color. When you are making, you know, a meal for your family, a lot of times they do have these elements, but you just explained beautifully why it's important to have these different things. And again, like I just always go back to the oatmeal because that's just what I ate all the time. But you think of, okay, protein, I think oats have protein, but also Mm -hmm. there's the peanut butter aspect Mm -hmm. and that's a fat in itself. Mm -hmm. Carbs, also the oats and then the color, okay, the fruit, like the blueberry that, and and it just, it simplifies it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're all looking for when it comes to what we digest is simplifying things. So earlier you talked about Gatorade and that that was actually something that I wanted to talk to you about because it is everywhere that people are saying Gatorade's bad for you, Gatorade's bad for you. But I'm looking at these NFL players and all of these college softball players and what's always in the dugout. There's water and there's Gatorade. So I love that you talked about that and you brought it into light. I want you to kind of maybe simplify this for the audience. How can we balance water and Gatorade to help us, you know, not have a, you know, sick stomach for drinking so much Gatorade, but also knowing that when you're sweating a lot, you should probably drink it. What What's your advice on the balance between water and Gatorade? Yeah. I mean, again, this is, this is really individual and it depends on how much do you sweat? You know, mm-hmm. I know different positions in softball probably are expending more energy, right? Sprinting or it just depends, right? Everybody's a little bit different. So again, going back to that journaling, writing things down, am I, because it's not just during the game right? Hydration really starts 24 hours before your game, right? So are you drinking enough water leading up to that? A really simple, uh, guess, test you can do is look at your urine. When you go to the bathroom, is it clear? If it's clear, that's a pretty good indicator that you're well hydrated. If it's really dark or yellow, that's probably a sign that you could drink more water. Um, But balancing the Gatorade and the water, again, I think it's so individual. Going back to what is the amount of carbohydrates that's right for you? Do you sweat a lot? Are you expending a lot of energy? Gatorade can be that quick source of energy, whereas the water is more just replenishing fluids, where the Gatorade is replenishing carbs. Yeah, that's so interesting that you're explaining this because I'm digesting every single one of the games that I played and when was I grabbing water versus Gatorade? And it became a feel thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I felt like my energy was kind of low and I needed something, I would always go for the Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because it's almost like my body was asking me to go for the Gatorade instead of the water because it just sounded better. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a weird concept that my body's like thinking about wanting this? No, because it's it's sugar. It's quick. It's quick energy. That's that's why it's so such a great product that people use. That athletes use. I mean, this has been around for years. Like clearly, they they use it for a reason. You know, these people are performing at a high level. They have experts. You know, they have, gosh, all the resources in the world for their team. There's a reason that they use that. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking about my professional career in Texas. We played in the heat of summer down in Texas and it was 120 degrees on the turf. Mm. And this was the first time I was exposed to this. And I'm not sure how much you know about it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. We used to get these frozen little pickle ice cubes that we were served up. Can you talk to us about the power of the pickle juice? Yeah. So you you actually read my mind because (laughs) so Gatorade or sports drinks, you know, they, it's not right. So your water's just 
water. Your water is fluids, whereas your Gatorade is going to be carbohydrates or think sugar, but also sodium and electrolytes. And so mm-hmm. a lot of athletes will use pickle juice. And I love that it's frozen. Gross, but also sounds good because I love pickles. <laughs> yeah, we'd like lick it like a lollipop. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds so so disgusting. So disgusting, but it probably was so good, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you're sweating that much, you're also sweating out sodium. And so the pickle juice can also help keep that balance as well. Yeah. And I think I love that you said that you should know what you're like, because me, I was a sweater. Like we'd Mm -hmm. practice for two hours and I would have no dry spots left on my shirt. I sweat so much. Thank you, Papa Burkhart. (laughs) He kind of, he gave me that gene. Um, But also I had a teammate who didn't really sweat much at all. Mm -hmm. So my consumption of Gatorade or pickle juice needs to be totally different than my teammate who rarely sweats. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. So recognizing that, right, you know that you have to be a bit more conscious of staying hydrated again, not just during performance, but leading up to the, you know, the 24 hours, the eight hours prior to. I love that. So let's dive into sleep. Because I, I, before we started recording, I was like, I really just want to talk about sleep and the power of it because we're talking about how athletes want to be peak performers. And we know that, you know, nutrition is one thing, but also if you don't balance that with proper sleep and, you know, proper habits around that, then your performance, whether you eat healthy or not, is going to really suffer. So what are your guidelines that you tell your athletes to kind of just stick to at least, you know, routine habitually to help them with their peak performance when it comes to sleep? Oh my gosh, sleep. I thought I knew so much about sleep. This is a topic <laughs> that I continue to read about, continue to listen about. I actually went to, there was a fitness festival type thing and there were some experts that came and talked about sleep last week. And I was like, I know everything. They're not going <laughs> to tell me anything new. And I learned new things. So it's amazing. But really what it comes down to is there's so much, it's like the fruits and veggies, right? Those micronutrients. There's so much that happens when we sleep as far as recovery, as far as our muscles are rebuilding. There's brain, our brain activity, like there's just so much that's happening during that sleep. And so from a nutrition standpoint, you know, another thing that a lot of people don't make the, connect the dots on, you know, actually think back in college when you were up really late and you you know, you stayed up too late studying. How was your appetite the next day? What kind of things did you want to eat? Probably, I mean, greasy food, just like something. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably exactly what I was thinking. I was like something greasy, just something that's going to taste good. You wanted like donuts, you wanted like chips, like just whatever. Right. And so that is not a coincidence. I mean, so if we're talking about sleep and performance, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, what happens when is that we can have increased ghrelin, right? And so ghrelin is that, that hunger hormone, right? I think of ghrelin as like a gremlin. It's like that, (laughs) that thing that just drives the appetite that really makes you hungry. And so when we don't get enough sleep, that can kind of go all out of whack and make us, you know, crave certain things that maybe don't make us feel as, as good physically, especially when it comes to performance. That's good. That's so good. And I've never heard of ghrelin before. And now I want to do research on it. Yeah. Ghrelin, <laughs> ghrelin and leptin are the two, your two hunger hormones. Mm. So, so if we think of sleep and recovery. I mean, if you're lacking out, you're lacking in that area. I mean, the rest, everything else in your body is going to suffer because, you know, it's like overtraining. Yeah. If, if we 
if we try to lift weights every single day, we're just constantly tearing the muscle. We're never getting, giving that muscle that time to stop, (laughs) Mm -hmm. rebuild and repair. And so we can kind of think of sleep the same way. So should all athletes, depending on how old they are, still sleep the same amount or the older they get, the less they need to sleep? What, what would be your guidelines there for how much sleep we should get? I think that definitely varies, especially, you know, younger athletes. And you can probably relate to this. Like when you're in high school, I know when I was in high school, I could sleep so much like, yeah, is because we're growing. And so we needed, you know, again, think of that growth. We needed more time essentially to, Mm -hmm. to grow. (laughs) It took a lot more out of us. So it definitely varies on on the spectrum of kind of age and what other things are going on. Yeah. So we should just stick to the eight hours at least. Like when we're like, I don't know how many I'm going to get, but I'm going to get at least eight hours. We should stick to that. And then if we sleep longer, we sleep longer. Oh, yeah. The, the conference or whatever I went to last week, they said there's a very, 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 I can't remember the statistic, but a very small percentage of humans that can actually function and not see any damage, I guess you could say, running on six or less hours of sleep. Most people need seven plus. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, especially when I was younger, I'd go, I'd go to like a sleepover one night and then the next day I was supposed to be at a tournament. And of course it's sleepovers. You're like watching movies, you're baking brownies, probably not even eating the right things because shoot, sugar before bed, I don't think is a good thing. Um, And then the next day I'm just so tired and I'm just lazy the whole day Mm -hmm. and my performance stinks. And, you know, when I'm a kid, I don't, I don't realize that that's a thing, but, you know, I think it's good to just at least think about it. And like, when you do, let's say have four games one day, maybe not stay up late, maybe Mm -hmm. wait to have your sleepover another week. And that's just, when it comes down to sacrifices you got to make sometimes, you know, especially when you're playing to get a college scholarship or do those type of things, it's very necessary for you to, to, to think about that. But you know, when you're younger, you can kind of, you can kind of have a bad day and it'd be fine. But I, I'm glad we talked about this because when it comes to being a peak performer, I, I study it a lot now, especially with like high, high CEOs or just owners of multi-million dollar companies. I'm just researching this stuff and they take their sleep, they take their nutrition and they take their exercise to like a whole nother level. And no wonder why they're on top. No wonder why they're able to make this billion dollar company thrive because they're taking care of themselves. So I know some athletes are like, well, I'm not a billion dollar business owner, but you know, how can that relate to me? I just think of it as if you wanna be good at anything, you have to at least be aware of, you know, what you're consuming, how much you're sleeping, and your physical activity. And most athletes right now, they got the physical activity part figured out. I have poured my heart and my soul into something magical, and it is called the Smash Tribe membership. So, if you're a hitter that's looking for a huge library of drills, 
some workouts that you can do from home to gain power and strength and connection between your upper half and lower half, and simply just some workouts that you can do from home. This Smash Drive Academy membership was built in the middle of COVID because there were so many people asking for these things. And honestly, if you would take all of my best coaching content and put it into one place, this membership is where it's at. Also, perks of being a member is you can do virtual one-on-one training with me. You can get a video uh, swing analysis from me. You can get so many things inside this membership that I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't tell you about it. So the Smash Tribe membership can be found at www.ashleybtraining.com and just head to join the Smash Tribe and you'll be able to see more things that you have access to, including an epic t-shirt that I've had made for every single member. And you get the Always Grind 365 Hitters Notebook as well by being a member. So if you guys are already super excited to become a member, maybe pause this podcast and become a member today because you get the perks as soon as you sign up. So I can't wait to see you guys become members of my Smash Drive and be a part of these this exclusive community. I'm so excited to have you guys in on all of the things. And you're also the first to know all the cool things as well. So with that head to www.ashleybtraining.com and see how you can become a member today. I can't wait to meet you on the inside. All right, let's get back to the episode. And I wasn't planning on asking you this question, but I know you love the fitness side of all of this. And and I know some people were just stuck in quarantine and didn't know what to do physically. And now that we're coming into fall and then winter where kids can't play outside a whole lot, what are what are a couple of things that maybe from their houses or let's say a, a close by gym that athletes can do to at least take care of their fitness, maybe when they're not playing or in season so that they're still taking care of that element when they need it? Uh, first of all, that's such a challenge. And I want to give like a shout out to any parents listening mm-hmm. who like... <laughs> You made it this far, like just keep keep trucking because it is no joke. You know, for me personally, and I know for a lot of my clients too, this it's it's had to it's been a mindset shift, really. I want to say acceptance a little bit of just accepting that things are going to be different in this time. And so it may not be realistic for you to get outside and go for a walk or to run, you know, however many miles. And so getting really creative about what movement looks like, whether that's you know, we are blessed by the internet. The fact that you're listening to this podcast, you are blessed because you have (laughs) access to technology. So maybe that means pulling up a dance video on YouTube or trigger point is like, I love that resource for foam rolling and like working on mobility, you know, Mm. just thinking, how can I just move my body in a way that feels good? Maybe it's different. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you're trying to learn a new skill. Maybe you're trying to do a handstand. I don't know, work on your, (laughs) work on your coordination by doing something like that. But I would say just make a goal to move your body every day, but be flexible on how it looks. I mean, that's like goal setting 101, right? Be firm about your goals, be flexible about your approach. Mm, I love that. We need that on a t-shirt, right? (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't think of it. I don't know who, I don't know where it came from, but it is good. I do love that. And I'm really glad you mentioned mobility because that's another aspect of athletes who compete at a high level, you have to be able to, to move in, in 
so many different directions. And I see catchers that they get stuck in the squat and they're not focusing on their mobility and then they get hip and they get knee issues. So what's some simple ways that athletes can work on their mobility? I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of maybe people you can find free workouts on YouTube, but where would you send those people who know that they need help with their mobility? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Before I forget this, you know, we're talking about mobility, we're talking about movement, sleep, food. I hope people are starting to recognize, like looking at the bigger picture and whatever hmm. stage that you're at in this in this journey of, you know, of your goals, essentially we all want longevity, right? And if you want longevity in sport, you really, again, have to look at the bigger picture. And like you said, when it comes to mobility, we got to be able to move well. Otherwise, you know, what's going to happen in 10 years? <laughs> you don't, you know, you want to be able to still move well and that a lot of that is tied to mobility. So I would encourage people to find a PT, find a, you know, sports specific trainer who can, you know, do an assessment and kind of analyze your body from a postural outlook and say, okay, this is where you're tight, you know, so we want to stretch out the tight muscles, strengthen the the weak muscles, and they can kind of give you some tips on certain areas to work on. Yeah. And I just thought of one of my friends in the coaching business, her name's Kaylee Snare. She, uh, she was a hitter at South Carolina, but she actually does yoga for softball specific athletes. So, um, and I met her a while ago, but like, it's so cool how she, I mean, she knows, you know, which muscles probably need the most um, flexibility and stuff, you know, just to be a good hitter, just to be a good defender, overall better athlete. But yeah, I'm going to have to put her stuff in the show notes because I just thought of her when I asked that question and I was like, that's going to be a really good resource for people. And it, um, with sport, right? Because if you are hitting with one arm, you're throwing with one arm, what are you doing? You, I mean, you're bound to have muscle, muscle imbalances, mm -hmm. right? And so if we don't pay attention to those, that can, you're doing your, yourself a disservice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a question that I wanted to ask just holistically. Parents, how, I mean, they're setting the example. They like whatever they're doing, their child is likely going to follow in their footsteps. And when it comes to nutrition and sleep and mobility and things like that, how pivotal do you think it is for parents to take that stuff seriously for themselves? Because, you know, there might be younger eyes watching. Mm. That's a great question and a, a tough question. Yeah. Is I I mean, I would just challenge parents to think what was different about your own childhood or what was your own beliefs around movement and food? Because so often we can get stuck in, well, this is how it was, this is how it always has to be. And, you know, if if you're if you want to help your ch your child get to that next level it's more than, like you said, it's more than just what we say. It's also how we show up in our actions. And so, you know, asking your child, how can I be supportive? What does that look like to you? Maybe that means going on walks together or, you know, cooking together, you know, so just the more that you can do as a family, it makes it more fun <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. feel like it has to change your perception. It doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be complicated and make, yeah. it, make it something that's enjoyable for the whole family. Yeah, totally. And, and now that I think about it too, even just when it comes to sleep and it comes to, you know, really taking care of that aspect, I remember, I'm totally calling out my dad here. Sorry, dad. <laughs> but he would be up until sometimes like 
1 a.m. watching a movie and I'm like, man, like I can't wait till I'm older. I get to stay <laughs> up till 1 a.m. and watch movies and like I don't have to sleep as much. But ideally, now that I'm older, I'm like, I don't know if I want to stay up till 1 a.m. I go to bed at 930. Like, no way. <laughs> I function. I function so much better in the morning. I, I couldn't say that in college, though. You probably could because you were doing all of your fitness instruction at Purdue. How? But, I don't know, but I definitely shaved years off my life in college from lack of sleep. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, did you ever take 20 minute naps all during the, the day? Well, no, because I, ha I struggle with, if I nap, it's going to be two hours, which is mm. no longer a nap. It's like, it's another sleep. So yeah. Yeah. That was always it's, a dangerous, slippery slope for me. It's so funny. I remember having, I think like a 30 minute break between classes. And I would literally take the 10 minute walk to my apartment, take a 10 minute nap and then go to my next class. Like that is so much effort. Why? It, Why did we do was, those things? It was so much effort, <laughs> but I mean, we had 5.45 AM workouts. So it was, it was like, if I was up studying late last night and I only got five hours of sleep, I got to find sleep somewhere. So so yeah. I did whatever it took. Yeah, there's, there's mixed, re well, I, sh I take that back. I would encourage that if anyone finds it interesting about just naps, do more research about just the quality of sleep too, because from my understanding, if we don't get into those deep REM cycles, which are different for everybody, you may still wake up tired if you're mm -hmm. not getting the right amount of sleep or mm -hmm. if you're getting naps or things like that. It's super interesting. Yeah, it is. All of it's so interesting. And I love that you, I, I'm sure you're doing it for your own knowledge, but also I mean, you're researching for your clients as well. It's it's so cool that you're doing all this research on different aspects to help to help athletes and just normal people in general become better holistically. So I wanted to do something fun with the fact that, and, and I love that you talk about just the holistic bigger picture a lot. So I remember going to tournaments and waking up at 4 a.m. and having to get on the road to, to go play. And McDonald's was always a thing because my dad wasn't going to wake up at 3.30 to cook me eggs before we go travel to this tournament. So when you mention bigger picture, it's like, okay, when my, when my family goes to McDonald's, because we don't really have a choice, it's not going to just ruin everything. Like it's not going to, it's not going to ruin all the stuff that's, that's going on for us when it comes down to performance. Um, I mean, I could tell you my exact order I would get every single time we went to McDonald's. But so when you're saying this, are there specific foods, and this might be tough, I don't know. Are there specific foods, like when you go to McDonald's, you should tr probably avoid or try to get, um, you know, versus, you know, the homemade cooked meal that maybe you don't always have the option to get? Yeah, typically foods that are higher in fat tend to, harder to digest. So typically for athletes, right, we don't recommend high fat meals. And so when I think of McDonald's, you know, we're getting the McGriddle that has, gosh, I don't even know what's all like the like sausage in, and the syrupy, yeah. right? Like that may just feel heavy. So from a digestive standpoint, it's going to be harder to break down. It's not going to be high enough in carbohydrates, right? For you to use for that glycogen, for that, that quick resource. But Again, I mean, if that's something that is typical for you that you, you have to do on the weekends, get creative, look up the menu before, or are there different things that you can bring, right? So maybe you end up just ordering an egg from McDonald's, but then you also bring a piece of fruit, right? Getting creative on the, especially when traveling, because that can be tough for sure. Mm -hmm. I think I remember 
And and I'm going to repeat this order I got at McDonald's because I think the reason why I kept getting it was because it didn't really make me feel slow like some other foods, like the greasy foods. So I would get the breakfast burritos. So -hmm. it's like the tortilla with the eggs and the peppers and stuff inside it. There was sausage, but you know, when it came down to it, I remember I'd scarf down two of those. I'd have some OJ and I'd be, I'd take a nap because <laughs> depending on the trip, but you that was your carb, your protein and your color. There you go. Exactly. So without even knowing what, what any of that was when I was growing up, that's what I went for. Um, I love that you're describing this because, you know, when it comes down to fast food, it gets such a bad rap, I think a lot. And mm-hmm. for good reason. I mean, I think there's some people only eat the stuff on the fatty parts of the menu and it does it does affect you. But also it's saying, okay, it's okay to go to McDonald's when you need to. But I also want to talk into the fact that, you know, a lot of times my mom would prepare sandwiches for the weekend and pack like cheese curds and fruits and vegetables and things like that. And we just put it in a cooler for the weekend and we kind of just eat most of our snacks from there. So are there some things where, you know, easy things that people can travel with or pack, plan before a weekend so they can avoid maybe hitting up McDonald's, probably saving a buck too <laughs> yeah. to, go, to go grab? Yeah. First of all, I don't want to demonize fat, right? We're talking about fat too, though. Recognize listening. Fat's not a bad thing, but if we're talking about performance and just comfort, it's not going to be priority, I guess is a way mm-hmm. to look at it. But definitely yeah. I'm just imagining a cooler. I mean, things like cheese sticks, um, you know, cheese and crackers are really easy to grab and go. Nuts, trail mix, fruit, you know, there's so many different products out on the market now that are so easy to grab and go. They even make like applesauce, like those squeezy things, right? If so you're if you're thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the run. I got to go. I got to go quick. I don't even have as much time to chew, which, hey, I mean, that's life. <laughs> Grab one of those squeezable applesauces. I mean, there's so mm. many different products out there. Fruits and veggies are going to be great, but sometimes you need something quicker and easier. And so that's where more of your convenience type products come into play. Yeah. So good. And, and I know granola bars are something that we should probably be eating more of. I'm curious for my own, you know, self-benefit. There are probably granola bars that we should avoid versus ones that are probably better, is my guess. I mean, there's definitely granola bars on the market now that are like dipped in chocolate and drizzled <laughs> with sprinkles. So, you know, you use your best judgment. You know, they have a lot of different ones that are primarily, you know, oats and dried fruit. I'm a big fan of the Kind, kind, mm. kind line. Now, I don't work for Kind, but they <laughs> taste good. And they yeah. also have, you know, good quality ingredients in them. Cliff is also an easy one mm. because they make bars that are dense, right? Because if you're an athlete, you don't just need a hundred calorie chewy bar. Like you need, <laughs> you need fuel, right? Yeah. And that is not, I don't consider for an athlete, I don't consider a hundred calorie bar a snack. I consider no. that like a bite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so sometimes thinking of how can I get more bang for my buck, right? So like the, you know, the cliff bars, for example, tend to be a lot more dense. So they're not a big volume to eat, which can sometimes be beneficial. Yeah. Cliff bars are my favorite. I think it's because, so my dad used to run a bunch of marathons and so cliff bars were always around the house. And I was like, man, these are actually pretty good. But the thing is they are kind of like a meal. Yeah. Like, they, like when you say dense, they are dense. Like you eat one of those, you don't have to eat for a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I will say to look out for with, with bars is 
some bars can be, you know, if you're thinking of like your quest bars or more of like your protein type bars, a lot of those can be packed with what we call sugar alcohols. Mm. And if you've ever eaten like a lot of sugar-free items, for example, they, they are not very nice on the GI track. <laughs> yeah. So looking, I mean, that might be something to look at when you're looking at um, bars as well. So sugar alcohols like high fructose corn syrup and things like that. Is that, is that what you're describing? Yeah. Or usually if it ends in like TOL, that's a, mm. a sugar, what we call sugar alcohol. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, there's so many questions that, you know, I, I want to ask you more, but I mean, this conversation alone is going to provide so much value to other people. We've covered most of the bases that I wanted to cover, but one other thing that I wanted to discuss, we talked about Gatorade, but we didn't tap in too much of the hydration aspect. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure before we signed off that we hit this one. When it comes to how much water should we be drinking a day? And I know that that changes depend on how much you sweat, things like that. Mm -hmm. But what can, you know, athletes and parents take home from this conversation of, hey, we really should probably take more control of this. And I know you mentioned, you know, the P test and things like that. But, you know, what's a what's a pretty good guideline for hydration? What I would say my my best tip, honestly, is get in the habit. Uh, Adults, everybody get in the habit of just keeping a water bottle with you at all times. Because I don't know about you, I don't think about drinking really until I'm thirsty. And you, you've probably mm-hmm. heard this before. By the time you're thirsty, you're already in a sense dehydrated. And so mm-hmm. getting in the habit, look at us, we're like, now oh, I'm thirsty just talking about it. But sometimes that visual cue can just help you to drink all day long. And, you know, and if somebody doesn't like straight water, they can use like me, you know, they make little flavor packets. You can add yeah. your own. Add, I'm a big fan of just adding your own fruit to kind of infuse the water. And then you could do like frozen grapes or gosh, there's so many different varieties. If you go on Pinterest, just look up like flavored water, you know, and then you can eat the fruit after as like a snack. So keeping water with you at all times can just be a really great habit to develop. Yeah, absolutely. And I always advise, you know, go grab five big gulps. Don't just grab like one gulp and put your water down. No, go for five big ones. I mean, it's nothing to like make your stomach full or anything, but when you drink it, like intentionally drink it because your body's going to need it. Another uh, another habit that really helps me if somebody individually, you know, figure out how much water that, that you need that makes you feel best. So for me, I aim for like 75 ounces per day. And I, of course, I don't have it with me. But what I like to do when I'm in my routine is I fill up these three water bottles. So that would be how much are they? They're like 30, no, 25. What's 25 times three? That's Good 75 question. math. Okay. So I fill up these three 25 ounce water bottles before I go to bed so mm-hmm. that when I wake up, I kind of have these like mental markers of, okay, I want to drink this one by this time, or I don't care when, as long as I get all three in, that's kind of my goal. Because when I don't have those three water bottles, I end up drinking some, fill it up, drink it. And so it's really hard to track. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to figure out what works best for you, predetermine it and then go from there. Yeah. And isn't it true that sometimes hunger could just mean that you're dehydrated and need more water? Sometimes. I think it depends. That is definitely very individual, but don't be afraid of hunger. I want to want client. Yeah. I want athletes to understand that too, right? That hunger isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially if you're super active. Mm. Hunger is your body trying to tell you something. It's your body saying, Hey, I need fuel. Whatever you just ate didn't last me long enough or 
I'm just extra need more fuel today because we had a really hard workout last night. So don't be afraid of that. Recognize it, listen to it, honor it, and your body will your body is smart. Drop the mic. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. So Katie, I know you've given people so much value. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I love to hang out on Instagram. So my Instagram is at K T. H-A-K-E, Katie Hake. Um, I also have my website, katiehake.com is where I post all things, all things nutrition, fitness. That's the best way to find me. Awesome. I love it. And I'll make sure those are in the show notes so people can find it. But before we sign off, I also want to talk about your podcast. So you have a podcast called Fit Friends Happy Hour, right? Yes. Um, I was telling you earlier, it's obviously because you're my cousin, but you're kind of one of the first people that I actually listen to in a podcast because I'm like, what is it? Three years ago, I didn't know what a podcast was. So I was starting to listen to yours and I've like, I've been obsessed with your episodes. Can you give us like, just like a, like I say one minute and you can talk for <laughs> however long you want, but give us an idea of what you're talking about on your podcast. Yeah. So on Fit Friends Happy Hour, I think of it as just girl talk with your, with your friends, with your sisters, whoever talking about things that just to be a better human, Right. We talk a lot about physical from the nutrition and the fitness aspect, but again, I believe in this looking at each human as at the whole picture, right? So mind, body, spirit. So we talk sleep, we talk nutrition, we talk mindset. I mean, oh my gosh, I just, basically what I record is what I talk to my friends about. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> and a lot of times I feel like the things I record are things I need to hear too. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever- Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is so, this has been so much fun. I, I already want you on again. So we'll, <laughs> I love we'll it. It's so fun. Yes. I love it. This was so much fun. So before we leave though, I need to ask you five questions and they're going to be like, if you could try to answer them within two sentences, do it. If not go for it. But this is the fun part where I've come up with some questions and I want you to answer. And that's the thing. I don't want you to think about it. Just Rapid whatever, fire. I'm ready. Whatever comes out, comes out. But we'll go into this. But before I ask you these questions, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been so thank much fun. Thank you. It's been an honor. <laughs> All right. So first question that I want to ask you is, what do you love most about being a non-diet dietitian? What do I love most? I love seeing the aha moments. So I work with a lot of women who struggle with that all or nothing mentality. And I love it when I can see the light bulb switch go literally go off like in their head and it clicks and they're like, ah, I get it. It doesn't have to be this complicated because for me, when they see that, and then when I see it trickle into their family, their kids, their, their spouse, their relationships, that, that to me is everything. Mm, I love that. That's one of the best parts about being a coach. You get to see that just everything just comes to light for them. And you're like, you don't need me anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's that too. That is a bittersweet moment. I always tell my clients that my goal for you is to get to the point where you don't need me. And it's <laughs> sad. It's sad when we have that moment, but it's also very gratifying. Yeah, I love that. So since this is a podcast with a lot of parents listening, I wanted to ask you, what is one of the greatest lessons your parents taught you growing up? Oh my goodness. To laugh and to be grateful. My dad is just the <laughs> biggest goof, always knows how to just make you see the good. And yeah. so I think they've always taught me, you know, hard work and just don't take life too seriously. Mm, 
Yeah, he is a goofy dude. I love he, him. He is. He walks into a He's just ridiculous, but I will never forget getting out of the car every morning. Like in school, it was always make a new friend. You know, yeah, I love it. Aw, that's so much fun. I love that. So this one is a little more personal. So if you could talk to, let's say, your 12-year-old self and you could give yourself advice, you know, when it comes to some of the topics we talked about today, what would be something you'd, you'd tell yourself? I would tell myself, stop comparing yourself to others because I struggled for many years in that comparison trap, you know, different stages of my life, whether it was about bodies, whether it was about grades, whether it was about skills. I mean, so many different things, comparison, comparing, right? Mm -hmm. And when we can just put our blinders on, worry about ourselves and realize that other people don't care as much as we think they do, right? <laughs> Yeah. It allows you to just focus and step into the person that you're meant to be. Oh, I love that. And we didn't grow up with a whole lot of social media and we were still comparing ourselves to other people. I'm along with you. But now mm -hmm. that social, it's like social media has heightened that comparison game. And I hope that everybody just stops in their tracks and maybe re-listens to that part you just described because, uh, that's why you are where you are now. You stopped comparing yourself to others and now you're just thriving. Well, my favorite mantra for social media is like, don't compare yourself to somebody else's highlight reel, right? Because mm. social media is, we put our best out there, right? It's like, it's our own TV show. It's our own <laughs> whatever. And so re remembering that, that, oh, this isn't, oh, it's not always real life. Yeah. And I think it makes me think of a, a Rachel Hollis quote. And I think it, it was something along the lines of, don't compare my middle with your beginning. Oh, yeah, or, or don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle. I think mm -hmm. that's what it was. So it's like when you're on this journey to become, let's just say, maybe a D1 softball player, comparing yourself to someone who's four years older than you isn't fair mm -hmm. because they're four years more experienced. So no wonder why they're going to be better. And, right? and you don't and you don't see their their four years of, of mess ups. You don't see their four years of... People, yeah. people in my field will look at, oh, how, you know, how'd you get to, you didn't see that I failed all these tests that I struggled, you know, with all these different things. And so remembering that, that stay your route, do, stay your own journey. So good. So good. So who's someone that you look up to in the food space, sleep space, wherever, like who, maybe who's your favorite podcast host, whatever, wherever you're learning, who's someone you look up to right now? Oh my gosh. It, it go it. It's all over the place. But one, because I feel like I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly yeah. reading books. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I'm constantly just growing, right? Because if we're not growing and learning, that's not good. So <laughs> right now, I think the biggest podcast person I'm into right now is Christy Wright. Mm. Just because at the time of this recording, we're in a pandemic still and it has been crazy. And so trying to help keep me grounded, she's a woman, she's a, a Christian woman who, you know, also is into business. And I don't look at my business and my personal life as separate. They are, <laughs> they're integrated, whether I, yeah. you know, like that or not. And so keeping kind of my faith at the forefront really helps me to just filter decisions and, and life. So that's, I love that's that. what I like right now. Is she, is she the one that's on the Dave Ramsey yeah, like yeah, she's in that Dave, loop. Okay, she's in a Dave, a Dave Ramsey personnel, whatever you call it. I don't know. Yeah, 
That's so funny. I just listened to a podcast with her probably a month ago. And I was like, I've never known this woman, but I really like her. Yeah. She always has, she always has good stories. And what I enjoy at the end, it's because it's unique. It's not something that we're used to hearing in business. And she always has like journal prompts and things to really make you think. So I like people that make me think. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm obsessed with podcasts now. Jeez. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. So before I ask this final question, like I said before, this has been an absolute blast. I hope everybody leaves this podcast wanting to follow you because of all of the amazing knowledge you have about how athletes can become peak performers. Um, the health and fitness space is a million times better because of you. You help make me a better person. And I just can't wait for people to to keep hanging out with you on social media and you know learning how to become better versions of themselves. Well, you're the bomb. And, and likewise, it has been just so fun to watch you grow over the years. I mean, I can't believe how are, how is it 2020? How are we where we are? No idea. But it's <laughs> it's been so fun to watch you grow. And we'll definitely, we will be sharing a link or I'll share a link with you with just some more resources for, for parents and athletes who want, just want to learn more about nutrition or aren't sure where to start. Um, I'll, I'll share some of that with you. Oh, I love it. My podcast listeners listeners are going to love that. So will it be in like a PDF format or something yes. like that? Yes, we'll send you the okay. link and you can post the link on social or on the show notes. Aw, thanks. That's so exciting. I'm excited for everybody to dig into that. So if you love this conversation, go check out that PDF. I'm sure it's going to help anyone who wants to just be better in all aspects of you know health and fitness and things like that and nutrition. I'm sure it'll be huge for them. So thank you. That's love awesome. It. Okay, so final question I have for you today is what legacy do you want to leave on your health and fitness world? Oh my gosh, that's a heavy question. But I know. I've actually been thinking a lot about it lately. You know, for for me, I've had this aha moment. I had a client recently who he has, you know, two young kids and you know, he he's been working on his himself and his own, you know, health and his daughter came to him saying that she didn't feel good in her body. And to be able to help him help his daughter, I mean, that that right there was just a perfect example of like, that's a legacy I want to leave. I want people to feel empowered to stop the, if it's a generational thing, right? Or like whatever they've been through, I want them to feel empowered to impact somebody else. Mm. I love that. The, the ripple, love that. the ripple effect. Yes. Yes. And you're a huge part of that. You've been doing an incredible job and you know, you know, I'm going to keep following you. You're stuck well, with me. So we are, we are family. literally stuck. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a blast. Thanks Ashley. So there you have it. Another episode of When the Cleats Come Off is completed. And if you loved it, I would love if you shared this with your softball community. The only way this game grows is if we have people like you that are eager to learn more and are eager to also share that new knowledge with other people. So if this episode really brought somebody that you know into fruition in your brain and you know that they can learn from this conversation, I would love it if you shared it with them because the more people that can learn from this type of conversation, I think the better the game of softball gets. And who knows, maybe this will be shared with other people in other sports because I truly believe some of these conversations, they don't just hit the game of softball, they hit all sports. And if there are people that come to your brain, 
I would love more than anything if you shared it. If you do share it, make sure you tag me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social platform you hang out on. I would love to see that you're sharing this. And I would love to see some of your favorite parts. If you do share it, make sure to tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guys, I'm even on TikTok, Ashley B Training, and at Smashley underscore four is where you can find me. And make sure you tell me which part was your favorite. I want to know what resonated with you so that I can create more content like that for you to share with your softball community. I can't wait to share another episode with you. Same time, same place next week. See you later. Bye.